Welcome to another episode of Cases for Freedom. I am your host, Trevor Spencer, and today we're going to be talking about the Second Amendment and some new gun control laws that they're trying to pass. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Hey all, before jumping into the rest of the episode, I'm gonna do another quick reminder here. Uh, we are giving away these, the Constitution Starts With You bumper stickers. Um, you just have to go to www.clubconstitution.com. Uh, we pay $1 shipping and handling and we get your email from you as well. Uh, puts you on our nice mailing list there. Um, and we'll ship this out to you here. We've got a whole bunch of stickers here to give out to you all. Uh, so go ahead and go to www.clubconstitution.com to claim yours today. What are we talking about when we're talking about the Second Amendment here and some of this new uh, gun control uh, legislation that they're trying to pass through Congress? Um, so to start off, I'm, I'm going to give a little bit of background about the, about the Second Amendment to the Constitution itself, uh, which is the, the right to bear arms um, or our, our Second Amendment rights here for firearms in America. And then I'm also going to go through uh, what this new uh, HR 127 bill uh, is actually proposing and some of the uh, consequences that it could be bringing to the table with it, um, whether those are, are known consequences or uh, in inverted consequences here. Um, and then I'll talk a little bit about uh, you know Joe Biden's plan as he's outlined it um, and whether or not that really feels like it's the will of the people here um, in uh, in 2021 um, you know when we're when we're seeing record-breaking uh, firearm sales uh, even in this year since Joe Biden's been inaugurated here um, so I'll go ahead and, uh, and jump into it here. But um, as I go through this, I just want to put a disclaimer uh, real quick that, you know, the Second Amendment can be a touchy subject. Um, you know, in, in, in no part of this do I ever mean any disrespect towards uh, anyone who's been, you know, injured by firearms or, um, you know, been affected by mass shootings or anything like that. It's, it's definitely a tragedy, um, you know, and I, and I want to be respectful to, <clears throat> to anybody who's, uh, you know, been impacted by, by firearm, uh, violence uh, or violence in general. And so, you know, as I'm going through these statistics, I'll get, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll usually get pretty technical, um, or, or statistical. Right. And I, you know, in kind of in previous episodes, I've talked about, um, you know, statistically speaking, how, you know, eliminating evil just isn't necessarily possible, uh, in a, in a society of, of, you know, 325, 350 million, depending on which statistics you look at here, um, in America. And so, you know, sometimes I can come across kind of callous, but, um, you know, I hope that my, my conversation topics here are at least, uh, well thought out. Um, and if you have any questions or comments or concerns, feel free to reach out to me, um, or comment, uh, on, on this podcast or on the video here, um, on casesforfreedom.com. So, uh, with that, let's go ahead and jump into the episode. So let's go ahead and start off with a little bit of a history lesson on why the second amendment came about. Um, and, and what was the reasoning behind creating the Second Amendment? So I'm just going to 
going to do a little bit of a, a brief reading here. Um, let's go ahead and let's jump in here at Right to Bear Arms. So this is from the historychannel.com. Um, <clears throat> During the Revolutionary War era, militia referred to groups of men who band together to protect their communities, towns, colonies, and eventually states once the United States declared its independence from Great Britain in 1776. Many people in America at the time believed governments used soldiers to oppress the people and thought the federal government should only be allowed to raise armies with full-time paid soldiers when facing foreign adversaries. For all other purposes, they believed <clears throat> it should turn uh, to part-time militias or ordinary citizens using their own weapons. So <clears throat> then a state, then jumping down here to state militias, um, but as militias had proved insufficient against the British, uh, the Constitutional Convention gave the new federal government the power to establish a standing army, even in peacetime. However, opponents of a strong central government known as Anti-Federalist argued that this federal army deprived states of their ability to defend themselves against the oppression. They feared that Congress might abuse its constitutional power of organizing, arming, and disciplining uh, the militia by failing to keep militiamen equipped with adequate arms. So, shortly after the U.S. Constitution was officially ratified, James Madison proposed the Second Amendment as a way to empower these state militias. While the Second Amendment did not answer the broader anti-federalist concern that the federal government had too much power, it did establish uh, the principle held by both Federalists and their opponents that the government did not have the authority to disarm citizens. So <clears throat> that uh, that quick little history blurb there, um, you know that that pretty much says it all. It gives the uh, the timing of when the the Second Amendment was created, the reasoning behind it, um, and who who proposed it, who was the creator of the Second Amendment. Um, and it's, it's important to just kind of remember, uh, why we have the second amendment first and foremost, uh, when we're looking at, you know, these, these, you know, gun control, uh, laws and regulations that they're trying to pass. Um, when we frame it in the way of, you know, the, the reason we have the second amendment is to create a balance of power between states and the federal government or states militias or private citizens with their own armory, right? With their own ability to defend themselves against, uh, the, the biggest concern here was to defend themselves against the actual United States military. Um, that's just history. That's nothing, you know, it's kind of <coughs> spooky in this day and age that, you know, if you say something like that, you have to be careful because they'll, you know, claim that you're, you know, a radical or whatever it is. But, um, you know, they're claiming half of America is radical at this point. Um, when they're saying things like the second amendment is, you know, too radical and needs to be regulated down and nobody deserves, uh, you know, Joe Biden said, nobody, uh, nobody has a real reason for an AR 15, you know, and these are, these are statements that, you know, I think they frame the second amendment differently. Um, when they, when they take, you know, those shots at the second amendment, no pun intended, um, you know, when they, when they take those those jabs at the at the Second Amendment, they're really 
they're really not looking at it in the context of how it was actually originally written. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's obviously tragedies that have happened and people have used firearms for those tragedies. Um, you know, and that it's not to make light of any of those, uh, those tragedies, they're real and they have impact people and they, you know, people are lives are lost and that's, that's a horrible thing. Um, and so there's a big debate around what is the right action to take. Um, and, you know, I think we kind of have two different points of view um, that are needing to be taken into consideration here when we're describing the, the problems itself, right? So we have two problems uh, that really we have to be looking at simultaneously, um, not just looking at, you know, gun violence uh, or mass shootings in America as the only uh, the only problem or the only factor that's impacted by, you know, uh, the Second Amendment and the rights that are embodied in the Second Amendment here, uh, we have to we have to look at both uh, the the problem that the Second Amendment was originally designed to uh, to solve, right? The solution here to balancing the power to where we're not giving the federal government uh, all the power um, that, you know, could eventually turn oppressive. Um, you know, we, we kind of have to remember that, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so the idea of a balance of power is something that politicians shouldn't be against. Um, to me, that's those politicians should be kind of, uh, you know, we should kind of keep an eye on the things that they really stand for and, and understand them and, and not elect people like that and elect them, you know, and vote them out of office when we're talking about the, you know, just the balance of power, right? That shouldn't scare, um, that shouldn't scare an elected represent, representative um, to know that they are, they work for and as a representative of uh, an elected, you know, a, a geographical area of, of citizens and that those ge that geographical area of citizens is, <clears throat> you know, that's that's their boss, and they're not supposed to feel, uh, you know, that they have the ability to oppress or to, um, you know, kind of govern without any sort of balance on them. Um, and so that's <clears throat> that's kind of the the first uh, component here that I think is important to to point out and to remember is that a lot of these, you know, gun you know, anti-gun, anti-Second Amendment uh, regulations and rules that are trying to be pushed out, you know, most of these are framing the argument simply around gun violence on its own and <clears throat> only looking at, you know, mass shootings and gun violence, which again are, are horrible. However, if we look at it in the, con the concept of look around the globe and at governments, that have been oppressive towards their citizens that did not have the ability or the right to bear arms. Um, you would look at it and the numbers are kind of skewed heavily to put it lightly toward um, governments oppressing citizens and committing mass atrocities when the people don't have the right to bear arms. So we have to look at both problem sets at the same time and not just think that you know one thing doesn't connect to another um, because they do 
And so we we have to frame the the debate around the Second Amendment properly and not just simply look at, you know, cause and effect in a vacuum with gun violence as well. So so number two here, looking at uh, the Second Amendment and our our right to bear arms as private citizens uh, with the historical context of why the Second Amendment actually exists, um, <clears throat> looking at it through that lens and adding that context, uh, looking at, he, at this new bill uh, proposed by Congress, uh, H.R. 127, um, <clears throat> this is the Sabika Sheik Firearm uh, Licensing and Registration Act. So, you know, a little bit of background here, um, you know, looking at this, uh, the bill and who it's named after, uh, Sabika was one of the uh, children that was tragically killed in the uh, Santa Fe High School uh, shooting that took place um, in 2018. Um, and so, they're they're naming it after after her i mean i i think that this is uh truly a horrific event and a a massive loss and i'm I'm sorry for the her family and for the the loss of these people um and sabika specifically and all the other victims at these mass shootings it's it's a horrible thing um and so you know i'm you know just kind of uh you know looking at that it's 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 pretty horrible and i you know i kind of i kind of agree with the idea of you know doing obviously we have to do something to try to increase safety in schools uh we have to do something to uh in you know increase or or sorry decrease the number of uh, mass shootings uh increase the security and the safety uh, of our children in society and all people in our societies and our, especially in our public institutions. Um, you know, and so I, I think that that's, that's a noble cause that they're, that they're naming after her. And I, you know, and in that level, I, I agree, uh, with, with, uh, with honoring her and, and doing something, uh, to, to prevent further tragedy like this. It's, uh, these are, these are things that we can do better on. Um, and you know, I think that, uh, you know, that's a, that's something we should all strive to, you know, to find as a way to do better, to protect children, um, and to protect our schools, you know, so I agree on that. Um, you know, like anything, I think how you go about, you know, taking on a goal, um, is, is definitely, you know, there's the term, the devil's in the details. And, you know, I would say largely, um, this, Bill HR 127 doesn't seem to do much if you're asking me about um, how to uh, prevent further tragedy uh, to honor Sabika and others. Um, You know, it's not me being cynical. It's just me being looking at it from an objective point of view. Um, You know, you can pass any law you want um, to try uh, to try and prevent, uh, to try to prevent evil from happening, right? You can pass any laws, uh, you can come up with to try to prevent that. 
you know, the reality is that murder in and of itself is against the law. Um, and so, you know, anyone who wants to break the law and commit murder, you know, they're, they're going to find a way to do that. And, you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news if that's, if that's a concept to some people that is kind of new, this idea that, you know, the, to remove all evil from this world might be a little challenging to, you know, to be at 100% no evil. Um, that's a very statistically uh, challenging metric to try to achieve just because of the nature of, of humanity. Now we can, we can always do better, but the, the idea that, you know, we can eradicate evil um, can sometimes uh, get, it, it doesn't necessarily, like evil doesn't respect the law. And so if we're just going to continue to pass laws and expect that to prohibit evil things from happening, when these people don't respect the law, it's, you know, to me, we have to kind of maybe look at different solutions. And so um, jumping in here to the actual bill for HR 127 and what some of the things that it actually does. So it, uh, amongst other things, it creates a firearm uh, registration database. Um, and so, you know, the, the first thing here to, uh, to look at is that it's, it's, it's creating a bunch of new regulations. So, uh, if people that own firearms now have to, would now have to go and get liability insurance, uh, to own a firearm. Um, you'd have to have a, a, an insurance policy to be a firearm owner legally. Now, um, there would be a period of time in which all firearm owners would have to comply with this new uh, bill um, if it were to be signed into law. And <clears throat> it also creates uh, a, a, so number one, you have to uh, go through a background check, which is a reasonable thing, um, a background check to make sure you're not a criminal. Um, and then you also have to go through a psychological evaluation um, and here's the part that is terrifying, uh, to me, uh, or to anyone who is reading this bill is that it doesn't specify any of the details of, uh, of the psychological evaluation. Um, it just says that the, it will be conducted by a licensed psychologist approved by the attorney general, um, and that the specifications of it will, come later. So in order for this to become law, it would essentially just create, um, it would essentially just create a demand for psychological evaluation. The psychological evaluation itself, uh, is <clears throat> something that, uh, is not described yet, right? The components of what they're actually evaluating are, is not contained in the details of this bill at all. It just says that down the road, it would be established. Um, yeah, with compliance with such standards as shall be established by the attorney general. So, you know, that's kind of the, uh, that's a pretty wide open, like right out of the gates, that's a pretty wide open net. And you have, uh, you have another, another thing going through Congress right now by some pretty hardcore uh, people, I would say pretty hardcore against you know, anybody who loves the constitution or, 
uh, you know, believes in, you know, personal liberty um, and the freedom to, you know, to bear arms here and to have this balance that the Second Amendment creates, um, there's other bills or there's other other legislation being pushed right now, uh, specifically by Adam Schiff, that is trying to create uh, a, a national watch list uh, through the Department of Homeland Security for anyone who basically was a Trump supporter, um, anyone who you know goes over a list of people that they're deeming as uh, religious extremists, and then it even puts on the list even libertarians, and so you know people that <clears throat> they have their allegiance to the the Constitution of the United States. You know those are people that they're that there's a decent amount of elected representation right now that wants to put people like that onto a watch list as a domestic terrorist and this is a real this is a real thing um you can go google search it uh you know go type in adam schiff domestic terror bill you know libertarian or you know uh patriots there and it's uh it's a scary thing so when we have these open uh open-ended psychological evaluations that the attorney general will then create once this is already a legal document if this becomes one you know at that point you have to kind of ask yourself what are they going to be evaluating right and so you know without being too uh you know too conspiracy theory minded um, i think it's important to just kind of look at some alternative points of view um and some uh some historical perspective here uh, around another group that ran a uh, gun uh, registration database or uh, record system at the time, which was the Nazis um, during World War II. And so this is an article from uh, PolitiFact. It's actually an article talking about how um, gun control uh, or gun regulations were not, uh, they did not help to advance the Holocaust, which is a... a, a I would say a more alternative perspective than what you typically hear. Um, and so, you know, but there's some, some really good, uh, some really good actual information and data in here that I thought was worth pointing out that it, it, this part here, it's from uh, Dagmar Ellerbrock, an expert on German gun policies at the Dresden Technology University in Germany told PolitiFact in 2015 that the order was followed quite rarely. Uh, the gun